Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. This is Fundamentally Mormon. Today on the program, we'll be reading Michael Adam, speaking about the Adam-God doctrine. We'll be on pages 77 through 83, chapter 9, and the t- uh, this chapter is titled Celestial Bodies, and celestial keys. We will start with the reader program, which is about 17 minutes long, and then we'll get into the commentary. When we get into the commentary, any questions on the text will be taken during the phone call at 917-889- 8827 that's 917-889-8827 and any questions on theology or Mormonism will be taken after the reading portion of the and the commentary of the program that we are going to be uh, listening to today so and reading today all right so We'll get into the reader portion, and then, like I said, it's about 17 minutes long. Thank you for listening. Celestial Bodies and Celestial Keys, Chapter 9 of Michael Adam of the Adam God Doctrine, pages 77 to 83. There is only one definition of a celestial body and dash one that has received the glorious resurrection. A celestial body is resurrected to an estate much higher and more glorious than a terrestrial or celestial body. Only a celestial personage has the right to wives or the power of propagation. Adam had this kind of body. Before Adam fell he was a resurrected man. That is, his physical body had been disorganized and then reorganized. Between the time of Adam's resurrection and his fall afterwards, he must have enjoyed a season of rest and peace. Contribute 8, 218. In the pre-existent state there are celestial spirits and dash but not bodies. Bodies are the purpose and accomplishment of mortality. And a celestial body is the result and reward of a most righteous mortal existence. We can assume that Adam's physical body was a celestial body, because he walked and talked with his God. A terrestrial or celestial body cannot ordinarily withstand the presence of the Father. Yet Adam walked and talked with his God in a physical body and dash hence, evidence of its celestial or resurrected status. Another factor to consider in determining whether or not Adam had an immortal body is the extended lifespan of his 78 mortal existence. A celestial body, which becomes saturated with mortal blood, would still reflect, as it were, the immortal characteristics of that kind of body. Our Earth has experienced similar physical changes. Today, All of our modern and scientific methods of combating diseases and ailments, with the greatly advanced methods of processing, handling, and using foods and medicines are supposed to be greater than ever before. Yet we live in an era where the normal lifespan is about 65 to 80 years. Adam lived nearly 15 times that long. His physical health propensity was apparently disseminated into his children and even their children, as most of them lived approximately the same length of time. Is not a thousand-year lifespan an evidence of a much more perfect body? 
Some scientific philosophers claim we descend back to the smallest living thing. Others say we are traced back to the mud man in the Garden of Eden. At least the so-called scientists are willing to start us with some kind of life form, rather than a glob of mud. But we read in the scriptures that our genealogy traces us to God. And a genealogy was kept of the children of God. And it was the book of the generations of Adam. Moses 6, 8. When we refer to the fall of Adam, it should actually be called the fall of Michael. Michael stands as one in the council of gods that began the creation. And when he partook of the forbidden fruit, he entered mortality to become Adam, or the first man. The fall is from Michael to Adam. Michael, as well as Adam, is called the father of all living. He was, according to Abraham's record, in the council of the gods. The priesthood was first given to Adam. He obtained the first presidency and held the kings of it, 79, from generation to generation. He obtained it in the creation, before the world was formed, as in Genesis 1.26-28. He had dominion given him over every living creature. He is Michael the Archangel, spoken of in the scriptures. Joseph Smith, THC, 3. 385-86, we would normally presume that Jesus held the priesthood keys first, but it was Adam. So when Michael came to earth, he already possessed the priesthood and the Asher distinction which no other mortal person has ever had. Priesthood must be conferred. There is only one way to receive the priesthood and that is by the laying on of hands. This is one of the unalterable and unchangeable ordinances of the gospel. Even Jesus had to have it conferred upon him. Ordinances instituted in the heavens before the foundation of the world, in the priesthood, for the salvation of men, are not to be altered or changed. All must be saved on the same principles. If a man gets the fullness of the priesthood of God, he is to get it in the same way that Jesus Christ obtained it, and that was by keeping all the commandments and obeying all the ordinances of the house of the Lord. TPJS, P. 308. Only Adam had obtained the celestial body and had already had the priesthood conferred upon him on his mortal earth, before he came to this earth. In a priesthood capacity, Michael is also called the Archangel, or the greatest of all. Person Pratt gave an interesting description of the nature of angels. Now, how are the angel of God after the resurrection? According to the revelations which God has given, there are different classes of angels. Some 80 angels are God, and still possess the lower office called angels. Adam is called an archangel, yet he is a god. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, no doubt, have the right to officiate in the capacity of angels if they choose, but still they have ascended to their exaltation, to a higher state than that of angels and dash namely, to thrones, kingdoms, principalities, and powers, to reign over kingdoms and to hold the everlasting priesthood. Then there is another order of angels who never have ascended to these powers and dignities, to this greatness and exaltation in the presence of God. Who are they? Those who never received the everlasting covenant of marriage for eternity. Those who have not continued in nor received that law with all their hearts, or who, perhaps, have fought against it. They become angels. They have no power to increase and extend forth to kingdoms. Journal of Discourses 13, 187. Also read of that battle of the great God, yet it is Michael's battle. Michael is the leader and the victor. CDNC 88, 114-115. But, behold, verily I say unto you, 
before the earth shall pass away, Michael, mine archangel, shall sound his trump, and then shall the dead awake, for their graves shall be opened, and they shall come forth, yea, even all. Beyond C29, 26. From the foregoing we are enabled to draw important conclusions, that before the coming of the Lord Jesus in the clouds of heaven, to take the reins of government upon the earth, Adam comes and gathers around him all that have ever held keys of power under him upon the earth, in any of the dispensations thereof command. He calls forth the dead from their graves, at the sound of his trump, he brings them to judgment, and they render unto him an account of their several stewardships. The books are opened that a righteous judgment may be rendered by him who now sits upon his throne, not only as the father, but the judge of men, and in that capacity thousands minister unto him. An August assemblage is now gathered in 181, Grand Council around the great patriarch of all patriarchs, consisting of his sons, who have been faithful in that which was committed to them. And all this preparatory to that great event, when the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven should be given to the saints of the Most High. Daniel saw that the saints possessed the kingdom, by virtue of which Adam was once more in possession of the dominion given unto him before the fall, which was over every living thing that moved upon the earth which rendered him the universal sovereign and lord of all. Mill. Star 15, 801. I see. Kimball asserted that the gatekeeper of the celestial city was Adam. If we do not unite our efforts in this direction, we shall never pass through the straight gate that is spoken of in the scriptures, or what I will call the narrow gate. It is the gate that will only admit one man at a time. We are not going in all in confusion, as the sectarians suppose. This brings to my mind the vision that Joseph Smith had, when he saw Adam open the gate of the celestial city and admit the people one by one. He then saw Father Adam conduct them to the throne one by one, when they were crowned kings and priests of God. Journal of Discourses 941 The keys and power committed to Adam surpass all other keys given in any dispensation, because Adam directs the keys of each dispensation in every age. Note the beauty, harmony with scripture, and the reasoning that Samuel W. Richards attributes to the glorious events of the grand summation of the human family and their creator. There are two grand principles, by virtue of which all intelligent beings have a legitimate right to govern and hold dominion. These are by begetting children from their own loins, and by winning the hearts of 82 others to voluntarily desire their righteous exercise of power extended over them. We can conceive, from scripture, principle, an analogy, that Adam's watch carries ever over mankind. That by his own approbation and direction gospel dispensations have been revealed from heaven to earth in different ages of the world. That he was the first that ever held the keys of gospel power upon the earth, and by his supervision they have been handed down from age to age, whenever they have been among men. That under his direction a deluge once swept the earth of the wickedness which was upon it, and laws were given to Israel, as a nation, to lead them to Christ, and that he will in the end call men to judgment for the privileges which have been extended to them in this world. At this important period, when Adam is reinstated with full power upon the earth, seated upon his throne, as Daniel saw him end dash a glorious and an immortal God, one like the Son of Man, comes in the clouds of heaven, as oft times represented by the apostles, to the ancient of Ace, and receives from him dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Or in other words, Michael, having accomplished the work committed to him, pertaining to this world, delivers up an account of his stewardship over the same, to that character represented as Yahweh in the creation of the world, who reigns in unison with those upon the earth, until his work is fully accomplished and dashed till the last great contest with the enemy, who has been released for a little season, is won. Then he in turn delivers up the kingdom to the great Elohim, that in the language of the apostle, God may be all in all. This final surrender, we are to bear in mind, does not detract from the godlike power and dominion of our first parent, 
nor of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the patriarchal order of government, each and every ruler is independent in his sphere, his rule extending to those below, and not to those above him, in the same order. While the God of unnumbered worlds is acknowledged to be his God and Father, Adam still maintains his exalted position at the head of all those who are saved from among the whole family of man. And he will be, 83, God over all those who are made gods from among men. Each and every God will be honored and adored by those over whom he reigns as a God, without any violation of the laws of heaven and dash without any encroachment upon that command which saith, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, for the glory and honor of all true gods constitute the glory, honor, power, and dominion of the great Elohim, according to his own order of government. What a glorious system of order is here portrayed in Dash 1 in which an innumerable succession of gods, patriarchs, and rulers, can reign forever in the greatest possible harmony that can be comprehended by intelligences, while each is independent in his position, as is all intelligence. As the great Elohim is supreme and almighty over all his children and kingdoms, so is Adam as great ruler, or God, in his sphere, over his children and the kingdom which they possess. The earth and all things upon it were created for Adam, and it was given to him of his father to have dominion over it. In that dominion he will be sustained throughout all eternity. Mill. Star 15, 802-04, Urson Pratt also gives Adam this high and exalted position, for he wrote that in dash, one of these is God the Father, Michael or Adam, from whose loins the earth is peopled, and who is now laboring for the redemption of his children. The great captain of evil is Satan, formerly Lucifer, but now a fallen son of the morning, who with his followers are diligently laboring to destroy the works of God by reducing them to a like condition with themselves. Mill. Star 17, 785. Every man who conforms his life to the principles of salvation, honors the priesthood, and gains exaltation, will possess the keys and powers of creation. As men are perfected, they will become creators of spirit children, organizers of earths, and gods in a celestial and eternal glory forever. 84, Chapter 10, Origin of the Adam-God Doctrine So that was the <clears throat> reader portion of the program. And now we will get into the reading and commentary portion. Once again, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. You can also follow this live at Blog Talk Radio dot com forward slash fundamentally mormon there's a chat line a chat room there for people to ask questions and make comments that is only during our live streaming portion however you can go to that same link blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon and follow and listen to all of the shows that we have created over the years But during the reading and commentary portion, we will be taking phone calls for things pertaining to questions and statements pertaining to the Adam-God doctrine. Any other phone calls will be taken after the show or after the reading portion. And I will... Uh, bring you in the screening room and ask you your question and comment there and then if you choose to go on live uh, just let me know at that point thank you for listening to this program let's go to, let's get into the reading okay uh, Emmett do you have the studio open uh, no, not currently. Okay. Uh, I was 
Um, go ahead and read that, or go ahead and open that so that we can, uh, hold on. Yeah, I got, I'm up at the loadout, so can you just, uh, start, I'll mute myself. Okay, so I was just getting everything already still, because I had just gotten home and gotten everything situated so that I could read um, in my headset because I was using it all day is at 10%, so I don't have that on, but hopefully you can hear me. Um, I can tell the difference. Hopefully you can? Couldn't. Oh, you can't tell the difference? Okay. Well, that's a good I thing. I need to do when you talk like that because, like, you back your head away from whatever you're talking back to. Back your head away from whatever you're talking to. But, like, but, like. Okay, well, I am going to read. All right. Chapter 9, Celestial Bodies. That's what's on here right now. Is that correct, Emmett? Ooh. Um, yep. Celestial bodies and celestial bodies and celestial keys. Yep, that's right. Okay. So, um, that starts at page 77, and we're in Ensign to the Nations, um, volume three, Michael Adam, and it is page 1331 in this book. Okay. And, and I'll go ahead and start. Um, Emmett, can you uh, see what's going on with Arius? Thanks. All right. There is only one definition of a celestial body, one that has received a glorious resurrection. A celestial body is resurrected to an estate much higher and more glorious than a terrestrial or celestial body. Only a celestial personage has the right to wives or the power of propagation. Adam had this kind of body. Before Adam fell, he was a resurrected man. Um, Sorry, this is from Contributor, Volume 8, page 218. And hold on. And uh, Contributor was a church publication. And I can hear myself echoing like crazy. Oh, that's because, did you miss it? My headset's at 10%, so I was charging it because I used it all day today. Okay, so anyways, Contributor, uh, Volume 8, page 218, quote, Before Adam fell, he was a resurrected man. That is, his physical body had been disorganized and then reorganized. Between the time of Adam's resurrection and his fall afterwards, he must have enjoyed a season of rest and peace, end quote. And again, that's from the contributor, volume 8, page 218. In the preexistent state, there are celestial spirits, but not bodies. Bodies are the purpose and accomplishment of mortality, and a celestial body is the result and reward of a most righteous mortal existence. We can assume that Adam's physical body was a celestial body because he walked and talked with his God. A terrestrial or celestial body cannot ordinarily withstand the presence of the Father, yet Adam walked and talked with his God on a physical body in a physical body, hence evidence of its celestial and resurrected status. Another factor to consider in determining whether or not Adam had an immortal body is the extended lifespan of his mortal existence. A celestial body, which becomes saturated with mortal blood, would still reflect, as it were, the immortal characteristics of that kind of body. Our Earth has experienced similar physical changes. Today, all of our modern and scientific methods of combating diseases and ailments with the greatly advanced methods of processing, handling, and using foods and medicines are supposed to be greater than ever before. Yet, we live in an era where the normal lifespan is about 65 to 80 years. Adam lived nearly 15 times that long. His physical health pro- uh, propensity was apparently disseminated. Uh, disseminated into his children and even their children, as most of them lived approximately the same length of time. 
Is not a thousand-year lifespan an evidence of a much more perfect body? Some scientific philosophers claim we descend back to the smallest living thing. Others say we are traced back to the mud man in the Garden of Eden. At least the so-called scientists are willing to start with that, or start us with some kind of life form rather than a glob of mud. But we read the scriptures that our genealogy traces us to God. In Moses chapter 6, verse 8, quote, And a genealogy was kept of the children of God, and this was the book of the generation. End quote from Moses chapter 6, verse 8. When, the, when we refer to the fall of Adam, it should actually be called the fall of Michael. Michael stands as one in the council of God that began the creation. And when he took of the forbidden fruit, he entered mortality to become Adam or the first man. The fall was to Adam. Michael, as well as Adam, is called the father of all living. He was, according to Abraham's record, in the council of the in Joseph Smith's Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 385 to 86, it says, quote, The priesthood was first given to Adam. He obtained the first presidency and held the keys of it from generation to generation. He obtained it in the creation before the world was formed, as in Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. He had dominion given him over every living creature. He is Michael, the archangel, spoken of in scriptures. End quote. From Joseph Smith's Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 3, page 385 to 86. And now we're on page 79, if you had anything that you wanted to comment on that. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yep. Take me off speaker, please. Take me off speaker, please. Oh, I'll mute me. Okay. Um, Well, it's just the same thing I've been saying. Um... We talked about how Michael was able to walk with Jehovah face to face and be in his presence. Um, and also Enoch and Methuselah and many others during, uh, before the flood, the antediluvian people. But um, Jesus, after the flood, these Mohanre Moriankum are the brother of Jared. During the time of the Tower of Babel, and says he's never appeared to anyone before that point. So, and then the other thing, too, when it says that God's created the earth, it was talking about Jehovah and Michael. And we know that because of the temple endowment, which was restored to the prophet Joseph Smith. And a lot of the Christian world would say that Jesus did it, but Jesus organized the spirits. And the word create uh, in Hebrew means to organize. He did organize the spirits, but he did not create this earth. That was... Michael under the direction of Jehovah our Elohim. So anyway, I'll mute myself. Okay. We would normally presume that Jesus held the priesthood keys first, but it was Adam. So when Michael came to earth, he already possessed the priesthood, a distinction which no other mortal person has ever had. Priesthood must be cured. There is only one way to receive the priesthood and that is by the laying on of hands. This is one of the unalterable and unchangeable ordinances of the gospel. Even Jesus had to have it conferred upon him. In Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 308, it says, quote, Ordinances instituted in the heavens before the foundation of the world in the priesthood for the salvation of men are not to be altered or changed. All must be saved on the same principles. If a man gets a, a fullness of the priesthood of God, he has to get it in the same way that Jesus Christ obtained it. And that was by keeping all of the commandments and obeying all of the ordinances of the house of the Lord. End quote. From Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 308. Only Adam had obtained a celestial body and had, had, or, and had already had the priesthood conferred upon him on his mortal earth before he came to this earth. In a priesthood capacity, Michael also is also called the archangel angel, or the greatest of all. Orson Pratt gave an interesting description of the nature of angels. In Journal of Discourse, Volume 13, page 187, quote, Now, how are the angels of God after the resurrection? According to the revelations which God has given, there are different classes of angels. 
some angels are God and still possess the lower office called angels. Adam is called an archangel, yet he is a God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, no doubt, have the right to officiate in the capacity of angels if they choose, but still they have ascended to their exaltation to a higher state than that of angels, namely namely, to thrones, kingdoms, principalities, and powers, to reign over kingdoms, and to hold everlasting priesthood. Then there is another order of angels who never have ascended to these powers and dignities, to this greatness and exaltation in the presence of God. Who are they? Those who never received the everlasting covenant of marriage for eternity. Those who have not continued in nor received that law which all their hearts or who perhaps have fought against it, they became become angels. They have no power to increase and extend forth to kingdoms. End quote. Journal Discourse, Volume 13, page 187. Also read of the battle of the great God, yet it is Michael's battle. Michael is the leader and the victor. See DNC 88, verse 114 and 115. But behold, verily I say unto you, before the earth shall pass away, Michael and mine archangel shall sound his trump, and then shall the dead awake. For their graves shall be opened, and they shall come forth, yea, even all. DNC 29, verse 26. And this next very long quote comes from Millennial Star, Volume 15, page 801. Quote, From the foregoing, we are enabled to draw important conclusions that before the coming of the Lord Jesus in the clouds of heaven to take the reins of government upon the earth, Adam comes and gathers around him all that have ever held keys of power under him upon the earth. In any of the dispensations thereof to man, he calls forth the dead from their graves. At the sound of his trump, he brings them to judgment, and they render unto him an account of their several stewardships. The books are opened that a righteous judgment may be rendered by him, who now sits upon his throne, not only as the father, but the judge of men. And in that capacity, thousands minister unto him. An August assemblage is now gathered in one grand council around the great patriarch of all patriarchs, consisting of his sons, who have been faithful in that which was commanded to them. And all this preparatory to that great event, when the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven should be given to the saints of the Most High. Daniel saw that the saints possessed the kingdom by virtue of which Adam was once more in possession of the dominion given unto him before the fall, which was over every living thing that moved upon the earth, which rendered him the universal sovereign and Lord of all. End quote from Millennial Star, chapter, sorry, volume 15, page 801. And uh, we're on page 81. It was kind of in the middle of all that, but did you have anything you wanted to add? I don't. I usually just give him a second so he can have time to answer. Okay, continuing on. Heber C. Kimball asserted that the gatekeeper of the celestial city was Adam. In Journal Discourse, Volume 9, page 41, it says, if we do not unite our efforts in this direction, we shall never pass through the straight gate that is spoken of in the scriptures or what I will call the narrow gate. It is the gate that will only admit one man at a time. We are not going in all conf- confusion as the secretarians suppose. This brings to mind the vision that Joseph Smith had when he saw Adam open the gate of the celestial city and admit the people one by one. He then saw Father Adam conduct them to the the throne one by one when they were crowned kings and priests of God. Journal Discourse, Volume 9, page 41. The keys and power committed to Adam surpass all other keys given in any dispensation because Adam directs the keys of each dispensation in every age. Note the beauty, 
harmony with scripture and the reasoning that Samuel W. w. Richards attributes to the glorious events of the grand summation of the human family and their creator. There's another super long quote um, that comes from Millennial Star, volume 15, pages 802 to 804. Quote, There are two grand principles by virtue of which all intelligent beings have a legitimate right to govern and hold dominion. These are by begetting children from their own loins and by winning the hearts of others to voluntarily desire the righteous exercise of power extended over them. We can conceive from scripture principle and analogy that Adam's watch care is ever over mankind, that by his own approbation and direction, gospel dispensations have been revealed from heaven to earth in different ages of the world, that he was the first that ever held the keys of the gospel power upon the earth, and by his supervision, they have been handed down from age to age whenever they have been among men. That, under his direction, a deluge once swept the earth of wickedness, which was upon it, and the laws were given to Israel as a nation to lead them to Christ, and that he will, in the end, call men to judgment for the privileges which have been extended to them in this world. At this important period, when Adam is reinstated with full power upon the earth, seated upon his throne, as Daniel saw him, a glorious and immortal God, one like the Son of Man, comes in the clouds of heaven, as oft times represented by the apostles to the Ancient of Days, and receives from him dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Or, in other words, Michael, having accomplished the work committed to him pertaining to this world, delivers up an account of his stewardship over the same. To that character, represented as Yahovah in the creation of the world, who reigns in unison with those upon the earth, until his work is fully accomplished, till the last great contest with the enemy, who has been released for a little season, is won. Then he, in turn, delivers up the kingdom to the great Elohim, that in the language of the apostle, God may be all in all. This final surrender, we are to bear in mind, does not detract from the godlike power and dominion of our first parent, nor of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the patriarchal order of the government. Each and every ruler is independent in his sphere, his rule extending to those below, and not to those above him. In the same order, while the God of the unnumbered worlds is acknowledged to be his God and Father, Adam, still maintains his exalted position at the head of all those who are saved from among the whole family of man. And he will be God over all those who are made gods from among men. Each and every God will be honored and adored by those over whom he reigns as a God, without any violation of the laws of heaven, without any enroachment upon that which command which saith, thou shalt have no other gods before me. For the glory and honor of all true gods constitute the glory, honor, power, and dominion of the great Elohim, according to his own order of government. What a glorious system of order is here portrayed one in which an innumerable succession of gods, patriarchs, and rulers can reign forever in the greatest possible harmony that can be comp- comprehended by intelligences. While each is independent in his position, as is all intelligence, as the great Elohim is supreme and almighty over all his children and kingdoms, so is Adam as great a ruler or God in his sphere over his children and the kingdom which they possess. The earth and all things upon it were created for Adam, and it was given to him of his father to have dominion over it. In that dominion, he will be sustained throughout all eternity. Millennial Star, Volume 15, page 802 through 804. Did you have anything that you wanted to add to that? No, I'm uh, I'm good. I'm just listening to you. Um, is there something that you had uh, any comments on? Nope. That was a very long quote. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's like another two pages. But um, And we only have a little bit more, just a tiny little section, and then we'll be on Chapter 10. But we're stopping there tonight, right? Okay. 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 Ok
Yeah, and if we don't have any phone calls, uh, we're just going to go straight to the end of the program. So, uh, But I will give this call-out number right now. It is 917-889-8827. And if you're li- listening to this program overseas on the Internet, you can use Skype to call into this radio program. I've had people call from all over the world using Skype. So... We'll be looking out for that. I was actually gone for a little bit because uh, um, my phone would only allow me to make emergency phone calls for some reason. And even after I reset it, it still would not allow me to do anything but make emergency phone calls. So I think I need to get on Amazon and order another wire for my antenna because uh, um, the way I was putting it in through the the door on the truck, I think it's breaking the wire. So I put it in a different way through a crack in the window, and hopefully that'll work. But, uh, yeah, I think I think my antenna is compromised. The wire is, anyway. So, yeah, mine was uh, doing that all the time. I actually, we spent $500, $500 on a cell phone booster so that my phone wouldn't drop calls. Um, so, because I drive during, you know, I drive 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. And uh, I don't have time to do the radio show during the day. So I prepare it and do the best I can do. Um, also, real quick, uh, if you're listening to this now or even as a podcast later, I have scheduled programs for Tuesday and Wednesday at 6 p.m. and I will be doing um, I'll be working on getting the the program for Thursday and Friday ready so that it can be done as well and I will try to read some uh, because I can add to the recording I can't edit the recording but I can add to it by reading Um, but we have a little bit of an issue this week. We don't have a babysitter for our two-year-old, so I am going to be having him, and he is always giggling and laughing and trying to jump all over the bed and play all the time. So that's why I uh, I took the time to make sure that the program was ready and recorded uh, for the reader portion uh, for Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Hopefully by Wednesday we'll have a a babysitter, but unfortunately, um, our babysitter's father-in-law passed away, and they're at a funeral in California, so um, hopefully they come back, but we don't know what's going to happen, so we're trying to plan the best that we can, so, and it is what it is, and it, the reason why I work nights is because uh, when this kind of thing happens, I can't just take work off, Um so I, I drive nights so that I can be there for my son and for my daughters and for my all my kids. Uh, if they get sick at school, uh, I can go and pick them up and then do my best to drive. Uh, and I might even have to cut my driving shift short if I get too tired to drive, which sucks because then I'll have to work on Saturday after sundown to try to make up for whatever loads I wasn't able to do during the week. So it is what it is. Anyway, I'll go ahead and mute myself, and then uh, you're almost done with this chapter, Kim. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I will mute myself, and you can uh, read. Um, Oh, and like I said before, the chat room is open during the live portion of the radio show. So questions and comments can either be called in or they can be chatted to the chat room. All right, I'll be myself. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. Okay, Orson Pratt also gives Adam this high and exalted position for he wrote in the Millennial Star, volume 17, page 785, quote, one of these is God the Father, Michael or Adam, from whose loins the earth is peopled, and who is now laboring for the redemption of his children, 
The great captain of evil is Satan, formerly Lucifer, but now a fallen son of the morning, who with his followers are diligently laboring to destroy the works of God by reducing them to a like condition with themselves. End quote. From Millennial Star, volume 17, page 785. Every man who conforms his life to the principles of salvation, honors the priesthood, and gains exaltation will possess the keys and powers of creation. As men are perfected, they will become creators of spirit children, organizers of earth, and gods in a celestial and eternal glory forever. And that is the end of chapter 9. Next time we'll be reading on page 84, chapter 10, the origin of the Adam-God doctrine. Do you want me to give a little prefix of that one? Uh, You can read the first page, Uh, but let me just tell people. Thanks for muting yourself. Um, So, um, also, I, I did want to let people know that each chapter is posted at tumblr.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon so you can read the text for yourself. Ogden Krell is the one that compiled all these things and he does give some of his opinions in this but for the most part these are quotes from early church leaders. So uh, through the publications of the Contributor and Journal of Discourses and all of these Millennial Star, I mean he goes into everything, um, but all of these were publications, and um, the church doesn't want you to read them, but they are available to read, um, and what they are is uh, the saints over in England, uh, for the Journal of Discourses at least, they, this, these were like Enzyme magazines for the church to know what was going on, what the leaders of the church were talking about in their conference reports and in their different um, sermons and and these type of things, you know. So um, the only reason the modern church doesn't want you to know about them or read them and they try to discount them is because they are more concerned with their authority and their keys than they are with preserving true doctrine. And... um, it wasn't just Brigham Young that taught the Adam God doctrine that many of the leaders did, including Joseph Smith. And in fact, Brigham Young got his information from Joseph Smith and the others of the, uh, the leaders of the church. They understood these things as well from the prophet Joseph Smith before he died. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know why they are the way that they are, but they dishonor our father and our mother, Adam and Eve, who are Michael and Ashura, by doing these type of things. And basically, um, they're just trying to smooth things out and make everything nice so that more people will accept uh, their authority. But the problem is, according to Section 124, they lost their authority. Brigham Young said that he received the fullness of the priesthood, which he says is the endowment in the red brick store. But the only problem with that is Jesus Christ said to build a temple in Nauvoo, whereby the Most High, the Father, could come dwell there, and that he, not Joseph Smith, would restore, could restore the fullness of the priesthood, which was not done. The temple was never finished. The Shekinah glory of God was rested upon the ancient temple and the ancient tabernacle and also upon the Kirtland temple, that did not happen. No angel ever came to the Nauvoo temple. Jesus never came to the Nauvoo temple. The Father never came to the Nauvoo temple because it was never finished. And Jesus said, all they who hinder this work, which they did as a whole in Nauvoo, will be cursed to the third and fourth generation which was 160 years max from the time the revelation was received. Well, it was, it was basically from the time the church was rejected. So the church was rejected, according to Lyman White in a talk that he gave um, in 1843, which is really interesting because 160 years from 1835, 
43 was 2003, and that is when I received the fullness of the priesthood under the hand of the Father, which gave it to me personally. So anyway, um, I'll mute myself and just, yeah, read a preview, uh, one page, and whatever, you know, if there's a quote, you know how to do it. And uh, I'll mute myself. Okay. So this is Chapter 10, Origin of the Adam-God Doctrine. The world cries for originality, but when a prophet comes among them, they persecute him for not conforming to their standards and traditions. Every true prophet has met with opposition when he introduced the truth to the world. Mankind have always rejected true prophets and exalted the false ones. Any idiot can see that. Sorry, that was my, I added that. Everybody can see that any prophet that was true or real was always persecuted and, you know, just run off. And, of course, they're all crazy. But that's what, anyway, anybody can see that. The prophet Joseph Smith had difficulty proclaiming nearly every doctrine which was not commonly believed in. And because of this, many principles were restrained from the public eye. Joseph knew more than he could reveal even to the saints. For he said, quote, this is from Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6, page 184. I have tried for a number of years to get the minds of the saints prepared to receive the things of God, but we, fre- Sorry, I have the hiccups. But we frequently see some of them, after suffering all they have for the work of God, will fly to the pieces like glass, sorry, will fly two pieces like glass as soon as anything comes that is contrary to their tradition. They cannot stand the fire at all, end quote. That's from Doctrinal History of the Church, page 184. And also Brigham Young quoting Joseph Smith in Journal Discourse, volume 9, page 294, quote, Brother Brigham, if I was to reveal to this people what the Lord has revealed to me, there is not a man or a woman would stay with me, end quote. And... It says, Brigham Young also knew the struggle the Prophet Joseph had in revealing new spiritual truths. And it will go on with some um, information on that. Uh, But that's the end of that page. So we'll start off there tomorrow. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, well, uh, we can see in the early uh, history of the Christian church, great levels of persecution up all the way until the church was hijacked by Rome. And then persecution ceased. Uh, There was still persecution for people who would not uh, obey Roman authority, but uh, especially in the church after it was hijacked. But we also see the same thing play out in the early history of the Restoration, where many were persecuted unto death for believing in the restoration and this persecution lasted all the way up until the church decided to reject many true principles of the restoration many of the deep doctrines of the restoration in 1890 but the fundamentalists which were set apart by um, John Taylor and Wilfred Woodruff they thought that if they kept the principles of the true doctrine alive, eventually uh, when the persecution ceased, that they would be able to be welcomed back into the church. But we saw that the church continued to go away from the restoration and to reject many things, and those fundamentalists never were invited back into the church for doing what the leaders of the church asked them to do. And we see a great level of persecution among the fundamentalists, which um, just makes me sick. But anytime anytime, um, anybody who is a threat to the devil's kingdom receives persecution, well, the church doesn't receive persecution anymore. I know that people think that um, Protestants and Catholics and whatever arguing with them is some kind of persecution, but they're not getting killed anymore. So um, 
it's not. This persecution that these people believe it, that they have received now is not a persecution at all because they are no longer a threat to the devil's kingdom. However, those of us who do preach the truth, like myself, uh, do receive death threats and people slander them and mar their reputation and try to destroy them. And uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be able to speak freely using this program and, uh, and be hidden from the world in the way that I am hidden from the world so that I, the level of persecution, uh, you know, they're threats and stuff, but they've never been able to come against me. So, um, other than through the threats. So anyway, um, but I, I just, Kim was saying it's obvious and it is obvious that, you know, if you're a threat to the devil's kingdom, he's going to try to come after you and he does. But if you are, you know, if you believe in the restoration, but you don't believe in the things that are a threat to the devil's kingdom, like the truth and reality that Adam was one of the gods who helped create this earth and that he is our father both physically and spiritually through the law of adoption, you know, uh, you're not going to have any problems. So not many anyway. Uh, of course, all Christians will receive a level of persecution in these times that we're going into. But all right. Um, I guess uh, is Emmett. Uh, Emmett, do you have to go open? Can you just make sure that there's nobody in the chat room or in the uh, the studio that's trying to ask a question? Yep. Um, just reloaded it. No one's there. Okay. All right, that's fine. So the program will be about an hour long today, which is fine. And I just thank you, Kim and Emmett, for helping out with everything. And uh, we'll just go ahead and be... Go ahead. Well, I was just saying you're welcome. <laughs> okay, Emmett, go ahead and cue the music. And we'll be back on tomorrow at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for another episode of Fundamentally Mormon. Take care, everyone. God bless and goodbye. Okay, well, let me pull up the.